Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Brain Food Podcast. I am Casey Thomas and this week I want to talk to you about another supplement. And this supplement is one of the most well-researched supplements along with caffeine if you listened to last week's. However, this one is probably your surest bet for some kind of performance improvement, okay? And I'm talking about creatine. Now, creatine has loads of research behind it talking about uh, and demonstrating all sorts of performance improvements and things like physiological variables, like how well you're working out and how well you are physically performing, doing things like helping you build muscle and improving your power output. But what I want to talk to you today is about how creatine can actually help out your cognitive performance as well. Now, before I do that, please be sure to leave me a rating and review. Let me know what you think of these podcasts. It helps me out a whole bunch. And please do subscribe. That way you'll be the first to know uh, when the next episodes go live. And honestly, I do have so much more in store for you. Without further ado, let's get right into it. Okay, so first part, let's do what I'm going to call creatine 101. Okay, so a little bit of background information about it. Creatine is a very natural product. There is nothing weird about it. All it is is just an amino acid, okay? It's one that is very important to life, and in fact, it's something that is naturally produced in the body, and it's naturally found in the body. It's not a chemical. It's not some performance-enhancing substance or drug that uh, sometimes people mistake it with. About 95% of the creatine that is in you is stored in your muscle. However, the remaining 5% percent is found in higher energy organs and in particular the brain. Now I mentioned you do ingest your creatine from your food. You actually get quite a significant amount of creatine from your food and your body will also make some creatine on its own. Okay through your liver and kidneys your body is constantly producing creatine as well because it needs it. However most people are usually sitting at about only 60 to 80 percent capacity. And part of this is due to the fact that we cook all of our animal products. And animal products is where our creatine tends to be found in. Okay, we're not eating a lot of raw meat, we're usually cooking them. And creatine is actually susceptible to degradation from your cooking methods. Not only that, but in today's modern life, if you are very strenuously working out, if you are damaged, if you are following a lower protein diet or a vegan diet, um, if you are older, All these things can impact your creatine levels and will mean that you actually need a little bit more creatine than you might have thought you did. Now, creatine monohydrate is a supplemental form of creatine, and supplemental forms of creatine are not degraded by your cooking method. What they do is when you supplement with creatine, all you're doing is topping off your stores. Okay, this is similar to carb loading, which I'm sure you have probably heard of. Um, This is just another fuel tank, and all you're doing is topping off your stores. Now, what does creatine actually do? Before I answer that, I have to first tell you what ATP is. ATP stands for adenosine triphosphate. It's a fancy name. I really don't care that you know it. (laughs) Um, All I need you to know is that ATP is our universal energy currency, okay? Every single bit of food that you eat, all of the macronutrients, all that stuff gets converted into ATP eventually. 
every single time you do an action, you think a thought, you want to breathe, you want to beat your heart, all this stuff, it's paid for with ATPs, okay? It, it is how we pay for the energy cost of any kind of action. And what you see is that the chemical equation for ATP, again, I don't really care that you know this, but it's going to help make what creatine does make a little bit more sense. What ATP does is it releases one of its phosphates. So you have adenosine triphosphate, and it'll release one of its phosphates. It's kind of like a spring. Okay, so it'll just pop right off. If you put a little bit of energy on it, it just like goes flying off. And so you release one of your phosphates, it goes flying off. And in the process, you get a little bit of energy. All right, and you use that energy to pay for things. Now, creatine comes in the form of phosphocreatine, or sometimes it's called creatine phosphate. And what creatine does is it will quickly add that phosphate group right back to that ATP. Okay, so breaking down some of our foodstuffs, breaking down, you know, the carbs in there, the fats in there, the proteins in there, that takes some time and that's a little bit more of a lengthy process. However, taking a creatine phosphate and quickly popping that phosphate right back onto that a ATP, that's a very quick way to get more ATPs for right now, for the immediate moment. So we use creatine phosphates as an extra buffer for energy. Now, Phosphocreatine or creatine phosphate is also useful because it helps support our mitochondria. And if you remember from middle school, the mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell, right? It's like, it's like the power plant. And what phosphocreatine does is it actually helps you transfer energy from inside the mitochondria to outside, okay? So it improves your energy efficiency, which is pretty cool. So creatine serves double duty, mostly in the realm of energy provisions. Okay, so with that out of the way, now I want to talk to you about creatine and its effects on the brain. So the brain is only about 2% of your body weight. However, it consumes about 20% of your energy. It's a very greedy organ, okay? It demands a lot because it's doing a lot. And so when you have your brain do more, if you're thinking hard, you're processing stuff, um, or if you are operating suboptimally, so like let's say under sleep deprivation, what you see is that your brain will actually need the same sorts of optimal recovery patterns as muscles, okay? People like to talk about post-workout nutrition and things like that, right? You know, the anabolic window, all these, all these you know, high-tech things. But this applies just to your brain uh, just as well. Okay, you stress your brain out by doing all sorts of different, very cognitively demanding tasks. Some examples in the professional world, things like esports, uh, race car drivers, chess, uh, baseball, right? You know, baseball is actually not a very physically demanding sport. You just have occasional sprints, but for the most part, it's reaction speed, hand-eye coordination, those kinds of things. All these things cause a very heavy cognitive load, or maybe you're working late, okay? Maybe you have a very intense project. Maybe you have something that you're giving your all, and it's, you know, maybe it's a big test. It could be it could be anything, okay? Some examples of stressors for your brain would be lack of sleep or lack of oxygen, and lack of oxygen if you're traveling to altitude, if you are, you know, a business person who's traveling a lot, changing altitude, changing oxygen levels, that's going to change how your brain responds, okay, and how your brain operates, and also what your brain needs. So you need the optimal nutrients to support peak performance of your brain, 
And hopefully I've convinced you of that with other podcasts. <laughs> you need good nutrients to support peak performance in the brain. But creatine is something that can actually help with that. Now, I mentioned before creatine functions as another fuel source. So the brain relies predominantly on carbohydrates. Okay, the brain loves carbohydrates. It just sucks it all up. And a lot of people talk about ketones and those things being useful for the brain. But honestly, the brain has its primary fuel source and it has its backup fuel source. So ketones are definitely like the backup generator. They are not the preferred fuel. Okay, so your brain loves to use carbs. And the only other fuel source that it uses, which a lot of people don't talk about, the only other fuel source it uses is creatine phosphate. Okay, so the brain under normal optimal conditions will rely on carbohydrates and creatine phosphate. Okay, it does not go for the ketones. It hates using ketones. Let me tell you that it, it does not like it. Okay, this is the backup fuel source. So your brain is using carbs and your brain is using creatine phosphate. And we have tons of research studies now showing all of the great beneficial effects on brain performance that creatine can have. And it's, it's just like muscle. Creatine, I said, gets a bad rep. It gets lumped into the category of our performance-enhancing drugs and things like that, but it's completely unfounded, all right? Creatine is one of the most safe supplements out there, all right? Let me walk you through some of the different issues. So one of the big issues that, you know, people who hate on creatine go for is they say, oh, it raises your creatinine levels. And creatinine is a marker of kidney function. And people who have high creatinine levels tend to have bad kidneys. Sure, okay, so that's that's a cause for concern, right? If, if uh, creatine consumption is increasing my creatinine and damaging my kidneys, I wanna know about it, right? But that's not what's happening, okay? It is actually doing nothing wrong to your kidneys. Um, if you have normal healthy kidneys, then your body processes the, the creatine just fine. All that is happening is because you are ingesting more creatine, you're just excreting more creatinine, okay? It's it's uh, one of the, the downstream products of, of this metabolism. And it's, it's kind of like if you eat more, you have bigger bowel movements, right? If you eat more creatine, you're going to have more creatinine. It doesn't mean your kidneys are failing. It just means you have a bigger output. All the studies show it's very safe, and there are even studies with mega doses, okay, you know, like 10 times the amount that I might recommend to you being given to small children, and they are totally fine even for years at a time, okay? So if a small child can take 10 times the dose I might recommend to you and be totally fine for years at a time, I think adult you is going to be just all right. Um, so if you take into account, you know, the efficacy, the safety, the cost of creatine, um, honestly, it is one of the surest supplement bets out there. And I said that before, and I don't want to sound like a salesman, but this is one of the few supplements that I can actually get behind. All that out of the way. What does creatine do for the brain? All right, so I'm going to walk you through a bunch of studies and kind of tell you all the different studies um, that look at creatine and brain performance. First thing you should know, there's some data showing that creatine supplementation can improve just an overall sense of well-being, which is pretty cool. Creatine has also been shown to reduce symptoms of depression, and this is more pronounced in females than in males. And how it works is it seems to enhance uh, treatment when they are taking SSRIs, okay, which is an antidepressant medication. But it can be used as a conjunctive um, treatment, which is, which is kind of nice. 
creatine seems to attenuate, so like lessen the effects of sleep deprivation, which a lot of you are experiencing. I know you're busy. You got a lot going on, right? So you're sleep deprived sometimes, maybe all the time. (laughs) Um, And creatine can actually help minimize the bad effects seen with sleep deprivation. So we talked about caffeine, you know, helping compensate some of that performance that's lost when you are sleep deprived. Creatine also helps out there. Now, one area which I find super fascinating that creatine has been shown to help out with is with uh, TBIs or traumatic brain injuries, which are basically concussions or, you know, some some sort of head trauma. And so this has a lot of potential with athletes. Uh, They've shown that if you take creatine before a concussion, that it helps prevent a lot of the damage. And if you are given it after a concussion, it can reduce a lot of your symptoms that you get from you know, that, that trauma. You see things like 90% of people off creatine were getting headaches, 10% with the creatine getting headaches. All right. It's reduced the amnesia. It's reduced the duration of intubation. It's reduced the amount of time you stay in the hospital after, after a concussion or a TBI. It's also improving headaches and dizziness. It's improving all sorts of metrics. So I'm really I wish this compound was implemented more for for the athlete population, but unfortunately, it's not really you know well well used. But I'm I'm very hopeful about the implications here. Okay, so we talked about you know brain injuries. We talked about talked about depression, and we talked about overall well being. But what about actual brain performance? So creatine has actually been shown to help short term memory as well as reasoning and overall intelligence in completely healthy individuals. Okay, that's pretty cool. All right, so it'll help improve some metrics of your brain performance, even if you are already healthy. And many of our brain compounds that are marketed as nootropics or, you know, brain enhancing compounds, a lot of those only work in people who have a poor brain. So if you're, you know, elderly, or if you have Alzheimer's disease or something like that. But creatine has been shown to help in healthy individuals, which is nice. And what you see is that vegetarians and vegans tend to do better, or tend to be more likely to see an improvement taking creatine because of their lower levels to begin with. So when you supplement a vegan or vegetarian with creatine, they see a bigger increase in their creatine in their creatine stores, and as a result, they see bigger performance enhancements. Same thing with elderly. Elderly are more likely to respond to creatine supplementation uh, because their creatine stores tend to be naturally lower. It's been shown to help with working memory, and working memory is simply, what am I doing on a task right now? Okay, It's all this information and processing power that you're putting in right now in your brain. So if you're doing some math problems, if you're trying to calculate out a route, um, if I asked you to memorize a phone number after just saying it once, um, all this stuff that you're just kind of working on right now in your head, that's what working memory is. And creatine has been shown to help that. All right. It's also been shown to help out with intelligence I mentioned, as well as speed of processing. Now there are preliminary data showing that creatine can help out in Alzheimer's and in Parkinson's. So this might actually be a very nice clinical treatment option for people who have more severe brain issues. For something a little bit more relevant to you guys, they've looked at creatine supplementation and brain fog, uh, specifically in students who had a big test that they cared about. So they did a creatine loading protocol for five days before the big test, 
and there was less brain fog and there was more oxygen in the brain cells, which was awesome. And, you know, I think that can be practically applied to a lot of people. Okay, so I've talked about some of the benefits of creatine. What about dosing? When you supplement with creatine and you supplement with it consistently over a period of, say, two to four weeks, what you see is that the brain will only increase its levels by about 5 to 15%. And this is because the brain is very selective about what enters it, okay? It's got this thing called the blood-brain barrier, and whereas the blood goes everywhere in the body and say your muscle tissue and your organ tissue, they get free access to the blood. The brain is only going to let in what it wants to get in. And creatine is one of those things, but it's a little bit harder to get in because of that barrier. And so muscles will see a bigger increase in creatine, but the brain doesn't see as big an increase. And so because of that, you need a little bit of a higher dose if what you're going for is brain performance. Um, It's a little bit easier if you're going for muscular performance. So the exact dose is about 0.03 grams of creatine per kilogram of body weight per day. And usually what that works out to be is just a few grams of creatine. Okay, it's not a lot. However, it it will be sufficient for your needs. But most people who are looking for brain performance will usually just go something simpler. They'll say either 5 or 10 grams per day, which is like a teaspoon or two. So it's not a whole lot. Just because there's no side effects, really. And if you're trying to improve the brain levels, like I said, you're going to need a little bit more, okay? And so if you go up to that 10 grams per day, that might kick you into a responder group. So sometimes people don't respond with, say, like 2 grams per day or 4 grams per day or 5 grams per day, but they do start responding with the 10 grams per day. And so that was kind of what I mentioned before was it does seem to be that the people who have the lower levels to start with see a bigger improvement because they're raising their levels by a higher amount, right? So similarly, you can raise your levels by a higher amount by taking a slightly bigger dose. So 5 to 10 grams per day seems to be sufficient for most people. Creatine monohydrate is the form that you want. There are a lot of different formulations of creatine out there, and most of them are just upselling you and trying to make you pay a lot more money for something that is incredibly easy to make. So get creatine monohydrate. It's very rare that the cheapest formulation of something is also the most effective, but creatine monohydrate has been shown to be the most effective as well as the cheapest, so you might as well go with that one. I recommend getting a powdered version instead of a tablet version because if you need 5 to 10 grams, usually the pill versions are about 1 gram each, so you'd be taking like five pills at once, which I'm not a big fan of. Um, Normally what I'll do is I'll throw in some creatine into a smoothie or something like that. It is flavorless, so you don't really even have to worry about that. I have been known to just put five grams of creatine on my tongue and swish it with some water and call it a day, but to each their own. One cautionary note, and so I mentioned there wasn't really any side effects, but there is one side effect, which is if you don't take it with sufficient water, it can cause, you know, cramping, diarrhea, and nausea. Okay, so if this is you, spread out your dose, you know, instead of taking all 10 grams at once, break it up into two and a half grams, okay, spread it throughout the day, and make sure you're drinking it with enough water, all right? The other side effect, I guess I'll call it, (laughs) of taking creatine is that it does increase your weight. However, this is a good thing, most people would argue, because it's water weight, 
and that water goes straight into your muscles and your brain. And most people like it when their muscles get bigger. Okay, this is not adding belly fat. This is not going to your adipose tissue. This is going to your muscles and to your brain. And if you don't like that, then you can just wash off the creatine. Um, you can cycle it, okay? So that way um, it, you're not retaining some of that extra water. But like I said, it's not like you're bloated and it's not like you know, you're getting belly fat or anything like that. This is literally water injected right into your muscles. Okay, so to summarize, Creatine has been shown to improve all sorts of brain performance metrics, which is super fascinating to me, and I am very excited to see where the research goes. The people who seem to have the biggest improvement in creatine uh, when taking creatine are people who have naturally lower levels, and those people tend to be vegans and vegetarians, as well as elderly. And that's because the creatine that you eat from your food tends to come from animal products, all right? If you are someone with a naturally low level of creatine, you will be almost guaranteed results, okay? Um, whereas if you have a relatively higher amount of creatine already, then the effects that you might see from additional creatine supplementation might not be so great. Um, if you are someone who has a lot of demanding cognitive work, okay, so you work really hard at your job, you use your brain a whole lot, uh, or maybe you're sleep deprived, or you're traveling to a high altitude, any of those kind of situations, creatine can definitely help out. So consider taking it in those instances. Athletes see a huge benefit to taking creatine. That's kind of outside the scope of this, uh, but I did briefly mention it um, because it does improve all sorts of physiological markers. But all of that being said, I'm super excited to see where the creatine research goes. There's some very promising early data for certain clinical conditions. I would say creatine is very close to a super compound uh, based off of all the data it already has. But honestly, the more research that gets done, just the more awesome it becomes. So with that, I will stop hyping up creatine, um, but it's good stuff. I'm a believer in it. It's one of the few, 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 few supplements that I am a true believer in, but I'll leave it there. So thank you for listening. Please be sure to leave me a rating and a review and let me know what you thought of this week. And also please let me know if there are other supplements that you would like me to talk about. Uh, please subscribe. I do have so much more in store for you. And with that, I will leave you to it. Take care. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.